on for Thanksgiving. I love it. It's my favorite holiday. I'm ready. I'm going to be double-fisted sandwiches at 4 a.m. my number one favorite holiday. All about eating. That's so good. Yeah. The whole focus is on the meal. Nothing else. And you're supposed to eat till you like yeah. throw you're up. Supposed, I mean, like, you're supposed to eat like I normally eat, yeah. <laughs> like, but there's a justification. <laughs> I Thanks, love it. Thanksgiving's the one day a year that yeah. we're like everybody else. Yeah, yeah. This is No Politics at the Dinner Table. I'm Tony Biancasino. And I'm Amit Prakash. Tonight we're prepping for Thanksgiving by eating turkey burgers and drinking beer. I'm so excited about both of those things. Great. Do you eat like that, like, in front of my sister? Yeah, and she reprimands me for it all the time. Ugh, it was like a caveman, and I'm yeah. a disgusting eater. Yeah. The most, so actually, the, it's, it's like this. Yeah, no, no, it's 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 horrible. I mean, I'm not defending myself. I wonder if we should take these recordings and sell them to, like, the next horror film with, like, little <laughs> goblins, because that's what you sound like. Yeah. You, put, you, you just, like, dub that, like, six or seven times? That'd be an amazingly frightening... Thing. We should do it. It and could then, be like a gurgling, like tar pit, too. Yeah. You know, like like underneath, like yeah. Then you open up like this little <laughs> yeah. little hatch, and you look yeah. down. There's little creatures eating a yeah, human. Exactly. That's what you sound like. That's that's me eating. Let's rock. Yep. Turkey. We actually pregame with turkey last week too. Yeah. Well, we're getting ready for Thanksgiving. Oh. I I like turkey. I love turkey. Oh, he's gonna eat. I'm, I'm going to continue eating. <laughs> what can I eat? We just criticized that Listen, disgusting. We're yourself. at the dinner table, okay? I'm going to eat. <laughs> for God's sake. Yeah, well, I mean, turkey is one of those things that I eat year round. And then on Thanksgiving, I mean, you never cook a whole turkey like that. Yeah, that's, ever. A, that's the difference. Like, And it's never, I don't like it as much. I, I like lunch meat turkey better than the turkey. Really? Yeah. Give no, I like, but I like the lunch meat turkey that's carved from the actual turkey. Not me. I like that chemical shit. Made <laughs> that's out of mostly gelatin. water. Yeah, totally. Yeah, with like a fake crust right, on the outside right, that's right. really just like some sort of plastic. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Um, well, this will be our podcast for this week. Yeah, it's our, we're early, but that's okay. We have a lot to give thanks for. We do. Don't what are, we? What are you thankful for, Tony? Um, I'm thankful uh, for my health. Hmm. That I'm, that I'm still breathing in and out. Okay. Nice I'm enough. simple. Yeah, that's that's one word for we it. We die young yeah. in my family. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? Um, what am I thankful? I'm thankful for my family. You better say that. You better I, I mean that. it 100%. Yeah, you absolutely. better mean it. What about you, Jeet? What's Jeet thankful for? Absolutely nothing. Nothing? <laughs> nothing. Yeah, he's nothing. pissed. Jeet's still pissed. Jeet's a nihilist. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's a nihilist. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, he made a playlist called The End of the World. Yeah. The World Might Be Ending. The World Might Be Ending. Yeah. It, yeah. I've listened to that playlist so many times. It's it's helped me, Gene, literally. It's All So right, you're going to well, be listening to some of that. So of that. you met yeah. Ruth Ginsburg. I met Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the notorious RBG. Yeah. Yes. Yes. How was that? So she was, okay, she was, she's very small. Yeah. She's, Have you ever seen a picture? She looks like a little tiny frog sitting next to all these people. <laughs> She's maybe five foot one, maybe. Yeah. I'm gonna let's call her five foot one, um, and she's 83 years old. She's very frail. Yeah, she speaks slowly. I took a student group there. We met her. It was very nice. She was very gracious. All those things. Um, 
one of the questions actually was a really good question. They asked her like straight up. Are you going to die? No, no, not quite that. Not quite that. Um, she had a terrible cough that I did not like to hear. But 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 <laughs> besides that, <laughs> I love like when you're 80 and you get a cough. It's like no, ah, no. You I might mean that's die. a death knell, right? You know, yeah. It's, if it, I had you know, a cough, what, we what just cancel the podcast. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, so, but they asked my students asked her, "What do you th- you know with Donald Trump being president, what?" does that portend for the Supreme Court? And she basically, and and they basically asked him, the sort of follow-up question was that given that there's so many different types of interpretation of the Constitution, how would you, given your views, um, cooperate, work with, what have you, with a likely Donald Trump appointee who's going to be, you know, diametrically opposed to your views? And she basically, she had a really good answer. She said, listen, the whole point of the Supreme Court is to have differing points of views. Mm-hmm. Um, and my best friend on the Supreme Court was Antonin Scalia. Um, that personally, we you know shared a love of the opera, whatever, went out to dinner all the time. We had absolutely opposite views of how to interpret the Constitution. But her whole argument is like, the Supreme Court can act as a model for discourse Right, civil discourse with people who d- who disagree. Right, that was that was her whole thing, um, which I thought was kind of like a very good, brilliant deflection of the question. <laughs> it was like, oh yeah, we'll just get along and it'll be so nice, but it won't be so nice. That uh, the, the in in the end, there's going to be somebody appointed there that's going to be really hard to the right of Scalia, right? Like more like Clarence Thomas or something like that. And I mean, that's what people are assuming, but he hasn't named any judges yet. Well, he's got a he's got a long I mean, short a list. There's a bunch of people very in favor of abortion three years ago, and right. Well, and, so you know, maybe, but you know, we're assuming he's going to go way right because why? Because okay. he's a Republican candidate. I mean, they don't like him. No, either. no, I don't think I don't think so. So I, you know. In, wait, I guess, can I just say something? It's it's only been two weeks since this election. It feels like two years. It does. It, <laughs> it actually does. So I feel long. like he's already the president. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, I know. I mean, we actually have a sitting president, right? Yeah. So, but uh, it feels so long. Yeah. But I would just say that I had maybe some inkling of hope that, all right, yeah, he has no... Obama has said he's got no ideology. He's a pragmatist, right? Yeah. Um, Maybe that's a personal thing that he lives or whatever, but given the appointments he's made so far to his cabinet, mm-hmm. these guys are all like right of Attila the Hun, right? I mean, these guys are crazy. You know, they are the lunatic fringe of the right sure. that's still somewhat respectable because they've had high positions and so on, but they're they're kind of hanging on. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, for me... Given what he's like, done thus he's so like, far, he's like interviewing Romney to be the Secretary of State. Like, Listen, did you? I saw that article. Today. Yeah. <laughs> so some some Trump, um, somebody on the Trump team, uh, leaked this, this statement uh, that we don't know who it is, you know, anonymous or whatever. But he basically said they wanted Romney to come in to quote kiss the ring. Um, that he's he's probably going to have no real position, mm-hmm. but everybody has to sort of show their fealty to, you know, the new guy, the new sure. president. Sure. Um, which, by the way, one part of their party is calling the emperor. Uh, not party, but, you know, they're backing. Like, the have you heard this? Like, they call him the emperor. The emperor <laughs> The Don. emperor, yeah, yeah. I always like the Don. Wait, by the way, the can, I just, can I just tell this quick story? Um, so 
I was I took the student group for four days to DC. On Saturday, they have free time, right? Mm-hmm. And that's when I freak out as the chaperone that, oh my God, they're free time. They're high school students. What are they going to do? Um, and Saturday evening when they come back, nothing happened. Nothing happened to them. They were all fine. But what I learned is that during their free time, there was a neo-Nazi, um, basically uh, a conference at the Ronald Reagan Federal Building, which is on the mall. Um, and during that conference, there was basically a melee <laughs> where, where anarchists and neo-Nazis were fighting outside and there was people pulling knives and getting bloodied in the streets. Um, and the anarchists were beating up the Nazis, screaming, die, Nazi, die, right? So all my kids were like free <laughs> this time. And I was so happy they decided to do no culture whatsoever. Yeah. They didn't go to the mall. They didn't do that. They were like, yeah, we're going to Georgetown. We're going to eat and we're going shopping. <laughs> it was like the old, yeah. but like, but that is a major part of the backing right now. Right. So Jeff Sessions, like for me, if you're going to make Jeff Sessions, the attorney general, you know, he, his his name is Jefferson Beauregard Sessions. Jefferson as in Jefferson Davis, Beauregard as a Confederate general. Um, he, in his very name is basically neo-Confederacy. Right. Right? Um, and you're replacing the first two black attorney generals with this KKK sympathizer. Mm-hmm. I mean, you really think that a Supreme Court nominee is going to be good? Like that... I don't think anything anymore. I think we should stop. We should just stop thinking. I mean, it, it's fun to do because we have a podcast, but I don't think anything. I don't think anything. What do you mean you don't think anything? What I don't. Mean? I mean, you're t- I mean, we could predict who he's going to pick, but I think it's going to be one who just pledges loyalty to him. So if it's somebody that's more left or more right, somebody that that he meets with that maybe hasn't totally dragged his name through the mud. Um, I think if anybody goes in there, fucking anybody, and says, I'm on, I'm on your team, I'm here to serve you. Well, that's, to, why, that's why I think, I think he put him on. I think that's why Romney is such a power play, right? Let's, let's have the camera show Romney waltzing up to some home in New Jersey to kowtow before Donald Trump. But I don't think Romney is kissing anybody's ring. I think if Romney were to um, take this role, it would be to serve the country, to protect the country. I don't think, I don't think he's... I don't think Mitt Romney's kissing anybody's fucking ring, to be honest with you. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm saying that Romney's not probably has zero chance of being anything. Maybe he, he he's hoping that he does. But, yeah. But the way Donald Trump is running it is that he wants everybody to come and kneel, and then maybe he'll think about you. Right. Um, I mean, look at what happened to Chris Christie. Right. Yeah, but Chris Cr- is involved in a lot of bad shit. Chris Christie. The Bridgegate thing, right? So that whole Bridgegate thing, I think, is meaningless. Because he'll be president, he can just give him clemency, give him a pardon, whatever. I mean, like, you know, they they pardon people for for much worse, right? Um, It's it's because when Chris Christie was U.S. attorney, he put Jared Kushner's dad in jail. Right. That's all that's going on. It's just revenge. I'm okay with that. I'm okay <laughs> like, with a little revenge. It's like, it's so mafioso. It's just like, literally, the, the whole thing is just like, who's loyal? Yeah. <laughs> who's been loyal in the past? But it's kind of like that anyway. It's just not as extreme. I mean, it's kind of like that anyway. There is some... I don't That's know. why people blindly 
join whoever the front runner is. It's like it's just nothing new. It's just Donald Trump who's a fucking jerk off. What, but what, so like we're gonna we're gonna overanalyze everything he does because we have to. But it's this is how it goes. Whoever gets the job, everybody comes up and kisses their ass because they all want to fucking jump in the house. That's true, right? So Obama beat Clinton. Clinton becomes Secretary of State. So that's true, right? That you pick. Definitely. You often pick your rivals who are in your own party. That's that's a norm, right? That that's not right. that's not abnormal. Uh, what's different is that you got some people like, for instance, Mitt Romney, who are like the never Trumpers. Right. Right. You've got even Lindsey Graham, who's saying that he's interested to see what the president elect has to say and what he plans to do. Right. Meanwhile, this guy was like tweeting out Donald Trump's personal phone number before to get him, you know, sure. his phone bombed and sure. like he hated him. Um so there's a little bit of difference, right? There's a slight difference between people who are saying, never this guy, he's, uh, you know, a, uh, a, a sort of a moral reprobate that has no business even being on the ticket um, versus Clinton, Obama. You know, I think there's a difference. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Maybe. I don't think so. No? No. He just, Donald Trump was just so extreme that people were terrified uh, of him getting this thing. And now that he has it, they'll all fall in line. McConnell, Paul Ryan, fucking Lindsey Weirdo Graham, they'll all fall in line. McCain, none of them. They're all going to be lined up because Donald Trump will destroy your career. And it's been, it's kind of been proven um, that if you go against him, it's not so good for you, especially if you're a Republican. The Republican parties voted Donald Trump in. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't think he's. I don't know. I I find it like kind of interesting, but I'm also. I think there might be some shockers in there that aren't uh, all these wacky conservatives. I think he. I think he could. I could see him mixing it up because he's just a psycho. See, the thing is, I don't even. These these guys aren't even conservatives. They're racist. They're, they're not. They're there's. I mean, they're racist. Yeah, there's that. But but they're not quite categorizable in terms of left, right, conservative, right. liberal, they, they sort of are sort of beyond the pale, right? So um, Mike Pompeo, uh, General Flynn, and, and Jeff Sessions, these guys... You think these guys are scarier than fucking Ashcroft? And, f- and uh, who's that other loon? Yeah, actually I do, because Ashcroft... Uh, Dick Cheney Ash- Ashcro- and fucking... What's that other loon? Uh, the, the the third lunatic that was... Uh, uh, oh, my God. The old dude with the round glasses. Rumsfeld. Who? Rumsfeld. Rumsfeld. Yeah. These guys work fucking Absolute, crazy. No, no. they're, of, they're the guy, Those mean, guys are of a piece. Bannon is the only one that's scarier than all of them just because he's just a frightening man. The rest of these guys are just like them. Uh, but those guys don't say their real feelings. They they were like kind of quiet about it. Well, and then we bombed the fuck out of everybody. I think the difference is that, you know, you're right. You're obviously right with these guys are radical in their views and, and in their actions, right? Which is worse. There's some people who just spout radical views and then don't do anything. They actually act. Kind of, but um, the Patriot Act and all this no, no, spying I, shit. I agree. Like, I is agree. it really going to get worse for us? Maybe. I mean, worse for us is like they they line us up and check our bags every day. I don't know. I mean, it's pretty fucking bad. It was pretty bad under the Bush administration. So I'm, I, are these guys, is this is this cabinet so far really more conservative than those guys? I don't again, know. Again, I think, I think it's not the conservatism. It's the unpredictability. Right. So that those guys were classic Nixon conservatives. They yeah. all worked in the Nixon White House. Sure. Um, and 
they had this sort of track record. So you kind of knew what you were dealing with, right? You knew they had certain agendas, Cold War, Cold Warriors, you know, that all all that sort of thing. Um, But take the example of Ashcroft. Ashcroft is somebody when he was sick and they were trying to get him to to sign an order to to basically have way more surveillance and stuff like that even in his sick bed he knew that this was going beyond the law right and and didn't do it okay right so i just think you have somebody like jeff sessions and you have you know these types of people um they're complete ideologues right which means that they are going to twist the law to fix fix their ideology, sure. not try to retrofit their ideology to uphold the rule of law. Sure. Right? So that, that, that's, you know, that's I guess a my, different thing. I guess my point is, I don't think his cabinet matters. I don't think things are going to get done without Donald Trump giving... I mean, I think that's what he does, is he's CEO. He doesn't... He's not going to do anything except final decisions on everything. And I don't... I've never heard of a case where Donald Trump's been bullied or his arm's been twisted into doing something. I mean, he... This is the scariest part, is that he is an unpredictable whack job. So these guys are... I don't know. I mean, they could be just as quickly out as they're in with this guy. Well... Look at Chris Christie, exactly. Rudy Giuliani's already kind of, we're not hearing his name as much anymore. I mean, he is, he's all over the place. So this whole thing could change in three weeks from now. That's true. That's you true. Know, um, I mean, they, 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 one of these guys shows up to a meeting and, and didn't shave. Uh, they're out. You know, that's Donald Trump. But he, I'll just say, I mean, I'll, I'll maybe I'm, I'm harping, not defending I'm, I'm, any I'm, of this, I'm, by the way. I'm harping on Jeff Sessions because this guy is a racist. Right. right, so he's he's a straight up racist, um, who who's of the worst sort, who denies that he's a racist. Understood. Um, and he's already been given the offer. Yeah. Right, and he's going to take it. You yeah. know, he didn't get a federal judgeship because he was too racist, but he's going to be the highest <laughs> law enforcement officer <sighs> in the land. Right. Right. Um, and so the, the thing with the cabinet positions is that. Yeah, they report to the president, but they have a lot of discretion. Sure. You know, so I think I would push back a little bit on what you said about the cabinet positions don't matter. I don't think it's as arbitrary. I think on the one hand, Donald Trump's going to learn that he's constrained by how big and cumbersome the government is. Yes. And he can't just sort of like, you're fired and let's get somebody else. My daughter's going to do it now or whatever. You know, he can't do that. Um, So when he picks somebody, those people are going to be there at least six months to a year. And they are going to fundamentally alter the, the nature, in, our, in this case of recessions, law enforcement, criminal justice reform, all that kind of stuff that people have been talking about. That's, you know, all the sort of need around that, that's dead. We should find somebody that's like, like a fanatic apprentice fan and bring him in to be like, what's, what's remember happen? a time, yeah. like give us an example on yeah. The Apprentice. Right. That you right. think Donald Trump would react to these <laughs> questions. And he'd be like, I remember in season two when Omarosa painted the wall. I would love that. That'd be amazing. We could probably get some real insight. Yeah. You know? So you know, what's what's our conclusion here? Who I don't f- know. Who the hell knows? I don't, you know, we don't know, but you know, and he's actually playing that. He's like... I know. Have you seen that? He's yeah. like totally doing the TV thing. He's like, we'll, you'll find out. Yeah. <laughs> well, I like when they say his, his big out, which like, is like... Wait and see. Which is like... Classic Trump is like, they'd be like, so what's your plan with uh, Syria? And he's like, I can't tell you. Yeah. It's a secret. Right. Otherwise, the bad guys are going to know. Right. And exactly. then 
Exactly. You know, and that was, has always been his out to having um, talking points right. with all these right. wars. Is that how he, he would always go, these Obama and these guys have been telling us what they're going to do. And then the bad guys react. Right. I'm never going to tell you. We're just going to do it. Which is fucking scary as shit. Oh, oh my God. All right. Thanksgiving. All right. Thanksgiving. All right. All right. Let's, Let's eat have a bite. The greatest jobs president that God ever created. I tell you that. They're bringing drugs. They're bringing crime. They're rapists. Rapists. The topic I wanted to talk about really was that, you know, for everything that we're focused on with Trump, he's actually part of a much larger global phenomenon. Right. Um, and so I, I, I'm going to go into like a little like history tirade here because it's needed, I think, to understand how he's possible. You know, that how Trump and people of his ilk are able to take over and get into power of the most powerful states in the world. How many right. people listening are going to be like, fuck, <laughs> fucking history time. <laughs> Hold on, let me get my pillow. It's going to be 30 seconds, all, all right. right? But but just, just, just you know, give me give me a little leeway here. Okay, I'll start in the 20th century. I could, I could, go, I could go back further, but Please I'll start don't. in the 20th century. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so after World War I, right, we get the collapse of the imperial system. Yeah. Um, so what you had before World War I was a bunch of large European empire states, essentially, that were you know, far flung across the world. And you get the birth of the League of Nations and the nation state becomes the basis for you know, a, a sort of normal polity. And it's based on mutual recognition, right? That, oh, I'll recognize you as a nation, you recognize me, and then we're both nations, and we have nation states, and we can, we're, we're, we become sort of legitimate. Um, decolonization adds to that. So you get ever more nation states, right? So like India becomes, you know, is not a colony of the British Empire, becomes a nation state. You know, you add 70 more nations. So you get this sort of, Notion. So when Donald Trump is talking about we need to have borders to have a country, right? Um, the notion of borders that cannot be permeated by any old person um, without the right papers and so on is a phenomenon post-World War I. Before World War I, in large part, unless there was a large war on, like during the French Revolutionary Wars, you could go wherever you liked without papers. Mm -hmm. World War I internationalizes passports. All right, so that notion that you need to have papers to move, right? So discipline over mobility. Um, so that's one thing that like people can't move where they want to move after World War One. On the other hand, with the Cold War, it creates a division, right? That you know, East-West, communist, capitalist. But with that division, it creates these new markets, these large markets over, you know, basically the communist world or the capitalist world, and you have. Within those worlds, these sort of flows of capital, you know, labors at times, um, and, and goods, essentially. And they essentially pierce those borders that were created by World War I, right? That you can't, like, so there's, like, this famous thing with, like, the Soviet Union where, you know, there's this argument that, you know, the Beatles killed the Soviet Union because, like, you know, Western culture came in and... Um, 
you know, you can't sort of resist that. And, and there's all this sort of revolutionary idea that came not, not from the bases and stuff like that, but from the cultural commodities coming from the West. Um, so, you know, there's these borders that were created, but they were always sort of permeable and transcended in some way they were transcended, otherwise eluded. Right. And that's kind of what we call globalization. Right. So it ends up being globalization. And then after the collapse of communism, it kind of becomes official, right? That, oh, let's just have, you know, basically, you know, low tariffs or no tariffs and um, we'll sort of trade goods and services, but not people necessarily, right? So that you still have to have passports, right? So you can, capital and goods can move, but labor cannot move as freely. Um, and essentially what we're going through now, in my view, is the political reaction to all of that, right? So on the one hand, you have the argument that we live in nations, like we have the United Nation, you know, up in Manhattan, right? So it's, it's a bunch of nations that are recognized and so on that are supposed to have these orderly borders and so on. Um, on the other hand, we also have globalization, which eludes borders and um, sort of destabilizes that whole notion. Right now, what we're having around the world, you know, it's, it's, it's simplified to a certain extent, but because you don't have, you have free flow of, of capital and goods, but not free flow of labor, you're getting a political reaction to that inequality, mm -hmm. right? Um, and globalization's kind of been exposed for what it is, which is basically nearly unchecked markets, mm -hmm. right? So capitalism. So I just want to give you a couple stats here. Um, Oxfam, uh, the British, um, what's it called, a humanitarian organization, did a study in 2015. And what they showed in that study is that on in the globe, 1% of the world controls 48% of the world's wealth. All right, so 1% um, owns, wow. yeah, so what does this break down to? 80 people own $1.9 trillion <laughs> worth of wealth, right? 80 billionaires, right? 80 billionaires own 1.9 trillion. That, so that's, and they've had a 60, uh, sorry, 600 billion increase between 2011 and 2015, which is to say a 50% increase of their former wealth. Mm -hmm. That's all in the wake of the global financial crisis. So while many people were losing their homes, losing their jobs, and so on, these people got a 50% increase in their wealth. Um, and so, you know, people losing homes in the US, Spain, Greece, Ireland, you know, Iceland, all that, you know, there's a whole financial crisis. And, and meanwhile, there's further concentration. Um, this reaction to this, why it's global, is because of the global markets created in the Cold War and post-Cold War. And so now what you're getting, I'm just gonna go down the line here. India, you've got Modi. Austria, you've got this guy Hoffer, who's likely gonna be the, the prime minister. Poland, this guy Yaroslav Kaczynski. In Greece, you had the rise of Golden Dawn. You've got a pushback on it, but they're still there. France, the National Front, and Hungary, the Fidesz party. And in Britain, of course, we've had Brexit and the UKIP party. Right. And now France. we've got, yeah, yeah. And then, and now we've got, she's ahead in the polls. She's ahead. Um, and actually it's so weird, man, that, that you say that because today, uh, Nicolas Sarkozy just dropped out of the race. You know, when McColl and I lived in Paris, right. we were there for the election year when he became president. Right. 
Um, and he was going against this woman named Segaline Royale. And, you know, he was like, he was terrible. He's awful. And now you're kind of mourning the fact that he seems kind of center right um, versus what's coming down the pipeline. Um, and so the fact, you know, I would like, I couldn't believe my, my own self. I was like, I read the headline. I was like, oh no, Sarkozy is out of the race <laughs> because, you know, like what's coming is, right. is, is awful. Um, so you basically have, you know, look right now in our moment, you've got an economic crisis coupled with a migration crisis. Um, and they're related, right? That people, many people, many people migrate because of wars and stuff like that, mm -hmm. but many people migrate because they're poor, right? And one of them seems legitimate and one of them seems not legitimate, right? right? So if you're a refugee, if you're fleeing war, but if, you're, if you can't feed your family and you're trying to move to a place maybe where you can, um, you haven't quite suffered in the right way. Therefore, you're stopped at the border and sent back. Right. Right. You're suffering, but you haven't suffered in the right way. Right. Right. So that's what's going on right now. Right. So it's this global phenomenon that requires so much. I mean, in my view, like just requires so much to address that one country can't do it. You know, Donald Trump certainly can't do it. But, you know, there's there's so many uh, sort of uh, players involved um, that I'm actually really kind of at a loss as to, right. you know, the way forward, even, even for, you know, from my side, the left, right? What do you do to address all this? You know, Bernie Sanders had, you know, um, a lot of talk about, you know, we're going to bring these jobs back and we're going to sort of, you know, protect American market and stuff like that. I just, you know, yes and no. Right. I don't, I don't know if that's possible. Um, so I don't know. I don't, I, I, well, why, I'm, why I'm, I'm really, I'm just sort of baffled by our situation because on the one hand, what I see is this inevitable march of reaction coming around the world, responding to very real things, right? right? Very real problems. They're not false problems. They're not imaginary problems. They're real problems. The response I find to be scary. They're, it's not to say that this is an inevitable response, right? But this seems to be where people are going because of fear and pain and things like that. Sure. Um, but in terms of like a you know response to this response, right? A response to the reactionary movements. I don't know what to do. Like I just I f I feel very paralyzed. So I don't I don't know. I don't. I was hoping you'd have some insight. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I painted this pretty picture. <laughs> this is a bit out of my wheelhouse. We're talking economics now. I have no idea. I mean, I I think the the big swing, I guess, right all over the world, is based on some pretty obvious things. One is we've been at we and a lot of nations have been at war for ever, but us lately a, a solid. Fuck, what, 12, 15 years? 15 years now, 2001. Jesus, I was going to say 10. Yeah, November, November 2001 is when we invaded Afghanistan, and we're still there. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. So coming out of America is this fear of Muslim, this Islamophobe, this, this um, bad guy talk. Right. And that all the allies that are with us, they take that on, and then there's bombings in um, France. There's bombings in, in England. These are... Not, not that they haven't had their own issues before with the Irish and the and sure. everyone bombing the shit out of each other, but because we're all so focused on this, this war on terror, this bullshit thing, um, collectively, the big powers, the people who aren't doing so well because we're all at war, because there's this 
elite class of billionaires and these companies that go to China and all these places, real thing. Um, and jobs are going away. They're never coming back, those jobs. But poor people, the only thing they have left in those countries is their this idea of what the country promises them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So if it's in France or if it's in England or if it's here in the U.S., let's talk about here because that's obviously where we live. Right. Here, the one thing you're born with is this American pride. Like, you're lucky. You, for many reasons, you're so lucky to be born here. And that's pumped into your fucking head from the moment you can remember. And when you have nothing, you don't want other people who have nothing coming here because that's now more people that have nothing. So it's just like weird protection of of your home that's not real because those people coming here, they're not really competing with you because there's no jobs for them either. Right. You know, it's it's a it's a larger issue when we're we're sinking trillions of dollars into weapons and and bombing. Um, and there are people here that can't eat or can't drink out of the tap water. So, right. you know, this 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 push right around the world, it's not that shocking. I mean, it, it's going to end badly, and then it'll hopefully go left again. But the one thing the left does, or the right does really well that the left doesn't, at least here, is we don't really go all the way. They they do. I mean, they, they go all in a ton. And um, every once in a while, they win. Because when we get in office and we get our chance, we we compromise, we meet in the middle. And that's not really what people want right now. People want their way. So I don't know. I mean, how do you create jobs and how do you – that is not a fucking question for me, man. Yeah, I mean – I don't even think the top uh, economists know how to fix this. I mean, people have their bullshit I've, ideas. I've always had the suspicion that economists are making it up as they go along. Right. That, that, yeah, no, no, absolutely. <laughs> right. Like, like they're always sort of like, yeah, well, I was within the sort of, you know, standard deviation of my predictions, but you know, the but, standard but they can't keep like up huge. with technology yeah. because that's what we have now that, I mean, technology is moving so fast and now with, um, robots. I mean, I mean, I, I, when I go to fucking CVS now, I check myself out. That shit pisses me off every day. <laughs> it's, it's awful. One, Actually, it really pisses me off because I'm robot. lazy. But then after me being lazy, it's just like, that's somebody's fucking job. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's disgusting. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's like, uh, you know, it's like everything's going to become easy pass. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, like so unless you're highly skilled at something. Right. You're in big fucking yeah, trouble. Yeah, absolutely. Or absolutely. unless we start giving major tax breaks to farmers and people that like do shit we don't want to do, but we need. Right. Well, we yeah. So I I don't know, man. I I I'm I don't know. I'm I'm baffled by the situation because it's it's kind of I, I feel like just looking from a historical perspective, I kind of like see it happening. Right, I, I see the sort of the structures of history at work, and literally it's unfolding. And that there's this whole thing like, oh, do you know, do people make history? Does history make people? You know that that sort of like conundrum. And it's it's this weird thing where I feel like we're being acted upon right. by things that were done on the in the past. Um, well, how do that, you fix it? You're a historian. Let's go. Well, no, I mean that's what do we have to be doing <laughs> differently? That's the safety of history. Is that it's a guide to the past. You just get to <laughs> right, you just get to tell us right, we're yeah, doing yeah, it yeah. again. But I you get don't to diagnose. I get to diagnose. Yeah, you know the origins of your the, the problem. You're just like the <laughs> right. the dickhead that breaks bad news. <laughs> exactly. Like, hey, I don't know how to fix. It. I'm just letting you guys exactly, know. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Th- I think that's why I like uh, like reading like all like the Marxist critiques of like capitalism because like, like they have like the best critiques and they've got no solutions. Right. 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 <laughs> like, right, right, right. Like yeah, it's 
terrible. They really understand it. They under, you know, like what, what the Marxists call exploitation, the capitalists call efficiency, you know, like, like it's like they, they, they get all that. And, and then they're like, Oh, what do you have instead? They're like, nothing. Right. <laughs> Stalin. <laughs> like, I mean, there's gotta be some sort of, there's gotta be some sort of a ceiling on how rich you can get, which is not going to apparently not. Yeah. Apparently I mean, I think not. that's the issue. Yeah. Because, the I'm sure is, Donald like, Trump will take care of that. Yeah, the problem yeah, that's is... That's his big problem, is that, that he would like to keep a cap on riches. Well, it's not him, but I mean, it's just in general. It seems like you can you can get all these tax breaks when you're a billionaire, but people that you know make $50,000 a year are getting slammed in taxes. So something's fucked one up. One major thing that. that the Democrats were hammering, and this is why I hate the Democrats, um, is that, you know, Things are going great. The economy, you know, the the unemployment rates are down. The right. stock market is, you know, making records every week. GDP is growing yeah, at a yeah. good rate. You know, <laughs> so we're way out of the recession. Um, and it made me think of this speech um, made by Bobby Kennedy mm-hmm. um, three months before he was assassinated. Um, and let me just—I want to play you. It's like it's like forty seconds long. I okay. just want to play you the, the, the speech, and it's about actually GDP. Right. What 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 is, what is GDP? Our gross national product now is over eight hundred billion dollars a year. But that gross national product, if we judge the United States of America by that, that gross national product counts air pollution and cigarette advertising and ambulances to clear our highways of carnage. It counts special locks for our doors and the jails for the people who break them. It counts the destruction of the redwoods and the loss of our natural wonder and chaotic sprawl. It counts napalm and it counts nuclear warheads and armored cars for the police to fight the riots in our cities. It counts Whitman's rifle and Specs knife and the television programs which glorify violence in order to sell toys to our children. Yet the gross national product does not allow for the health of our children, the quality of their education, or the joy of their play. It does not include the beauty of our poetry, or the strength of our marriages, the intelligence of our public debate, or the integrity of our public officials. It measures neither our wit nor our courage, neither our wisdom nor our learning, neither our compassion nor our devotion to our country. It measures everything in short, except that which makes life worthwhile. And it can tell us everything about America, except why we are proud that we are Americans. I think he kind of was saying what I was trying to say. Oh, yeah? <laughs> he, just, he just said it before you. Yeah. I didn't have time to prepare. I would have said all that. <laughs> that used to be the Democratic Party, by the way. <laughs> right. Jesus, we've we've, uh, right? really, we've really think about that. We've made a weird turn. Yeah, yeah. So that you know, I th- I don't want to add. I mean, there's not much to add to yeah, that. No, I don't think you need to add. Right? That. I mean, he says it. Um, so when when Barack Obama or Hillary Clinton during this campaign brandishes the rise of GDP as an indication of how well we're all doing, right? And how great the Democratic Democratic Party's governing. Um, you might want to think about Bobby Kennedy. Amen. <laughs> Bob. Well, this has been fun. Yeah. Yeah. Got a little I, Bobby Kennedy reference there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, you know, it's a good thing to think about. 
Cool, man. Well, uh, we will be back next week. Where? Yeah. I mean, I guess we're putting this out on Thursday, right? Not really time. So why are we putting this out? We'll put it out tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow because yeah. tomorrow's Tuesday. People are gonna be trapped. I mean, people are eating turkey on Thursday. Come on. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, you can listen to this on your on your uh, in your drive wherever you're going. No, nah, I'm good. I was here. <laughs> I'm not talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to listen to you chew again, bro. Yeah. No politics at the dinner table is produced by our buddy Jeep Beta Roy, who's battling a cold and still showed up. That's commitment. Right that there. is commitment. He cares we about the country. Um, all right, we'll uh, we'll yell in your ears next week. That's right. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Yeah.